Welcome to IT Talk, Hack Your Tech Career, a WGU-sponsored podcast for aspiring and established information technology professionals. We talk with in-the-know experts to explore what's happening in the tech world and how to land the IT career you want. Let's jump right in. Good day to everybody listening to my voice. This is Davon Copeland with WGU Military Outreach. Today, Dan and I have a special guest Last podcast, we talked about military to PhD and everything in between. Well, today we're actually going to talk about the stuff in between. Ain't that right, Dan? Yeah, we are definitely going to be talking that. We got Joshua Prado with us today from CCS Global Tech, who's going to be telling us about what he's looking for when he's looking for a new employee and what important things he, he needs to staff his roles. Absolutely, absolutely. And so Josh is going to talk about that stuff. More importantly, he's going to talk to us about how we're going to leverage that military experience so that we can either pivot or upskill in the tech spaces. Just so you guys know, CCS Global Tech has just recently signed a partnership with Western Governors University. So we'll probably be hearing from Josh more times than not. So Josh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey everyone, my name is Joshua Dominic Prado. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran, served 10 years in the, uh, like I said, the aviation side of the Navy. I've transitioned out from active duty to uh, reserve back in 2007, transitioned out completely in 2016. So total spent a little bit over 10 years in the military. And then after that, um, I was fortunate enough to work in a couple of different industries, higher education, semiconductor engineering, retail management, and uh, now in the IT tech space. Where we stand now currently is I'm leading nationwide initiatives for veterans transitioning from the military to the tech sector, from our junior level folks that have no background in IT to folks who already were previous IT in the military to also our senior consultants who are now taking over projects across the U.S., federal, state, city, county, or commercial, and now even starting their own companies. Definitely excited to be in you know, such an exciting space, booming space. Both military and tech were two different areas that were, you know, actually on the rise during COVID. So that's, I think, the most exciting thing is a lot of people are pivoting in that direction. So if you're interested in that, I mean, I'd like to offer some some key points as to um, how to best position yourself, both academically, professionally, and just any any sort of nuggets that me and, and Davon or anybody else that has transitioned from the military into the professional sector has taken those areas and, and apply them in the professional sector. Nice. I appreciate that. Just so you know, Dan is also a Navy vet. So we got Navy power. He was actually one of the guys, if he tells you about his job, he's going to have to kill you, right? So <laughs> we have the full scope of everything. We got the Intel guy, we got the aviator, and we got the black shoe gunners. Mace. I was listening to your resume, how you did a lot of things during your transition and you landed in the tech space. Why did you land in tech? What was the appeal? Well, I've never, you know, taken the easy path and I've always, you know, wanted to do something that was challenging. You know, this stems all the way back from high school to joining the military. Prior to the military, I would say my primary skill set was dribbling a ball and putting it into a basket. <laughs> Fortunately, the Navy, you know, sent me to school and I was able to uh, work on both, you know, F-18s and helicopters during my time in there. 
and uh, gain some technical skills. But yeah, the tech space, how I landed there now is, is definitely a, a, a long story and it's definitely not a linear pathway. My specialty is defining a career path for somebody going into the tech sector from certifications to academic plan to strategies to position themselves, you know, year after year after year to make an impact. How I got in there was actually just taking each particular transition that I did and applying things and being able to move to the next step. You know, I didn't know how things would apply, what what skills from the military would translate over to running a business and then what skills would translate over to being a technical trainer. I fortunately was able to work in engineering and I took over the veterans program at a, at a very large engineering company. I wanted to you know, bring more people into our company and that got me into a talent acquisition staffing kind of space. And now I was able to join with a company who wanted to start a veterans department um, specifically for veterans going into IT. My pathway was totally different than most. I mean, most folks may be wanting to pivot into becoming a software developer, a cybersecurity engineer, you know, information security analyst. There's so many different roles, but my thing is just a lot of time. It's a lot of soft skills, hard skills. How do you position yourself? I use a lot of sports analogies and just seeing like the 10,000 uh, foot view of how to position yourself in, in, the, in the organization to be effective. That works with most industries. Tech is an area where sometimes it can be confusing. It's definitely a booming sector and, you know, happy to, to work in that space. So I'm like really happy you brought up skills. So one of the things I've noticed, especially when you're working with a Microsoft or an Amazon or something else skill set, how do you balance those Navy skills with the skills that the industry is actually looking for? Right. So I'll have all these great things I learned in the Navy. How do they translate over or how do you see that translation working? like say from a radio man or an IT person to um, someone that would work for CCS? I mean, every single person or position that is in the IT space has a specific skill set. A lot of times those are learned skill sets because different software comes out, different techniques come out. Where those derive from are from skills that we may have picked up in the military, being task-oriented, being uh, outcome-focused. You know, when you're saying, hey, I've never done cybersecurity before, but you've secured a perimeter, you know, when you're on patrol. So a lot of these things, you know, people think, oh, my, my military experience laid over to the civilian sector. And in, in certain aspects, it may not because these are learned skill sets. You have to go to school. You have to learn how to program. You may have to learn how to do something. But that doesn't mean that um, on a functional level that you've not performed that task. We're, we're all Navy guys, so we learn how to do things, you know, in, in a specific spectrum, whether it's like strategic, operational, tactical, you've got those different things. And then you've got task-oriented, you know, process-oriented. You've got creative mindsets. A lot of times um, folks that do web design or programming are more of a creative mindset. So kind of digging into, you know, person, a person's personality type, what makes them tick, those are things where, you know, those translate over and it may not have directly been like, okay, this person was infantry or this person was a pilot or this person was a Navy SEAL. You know, those things do translate over. You know, if you have trouble translating those things, I think that there's a lot of folks that mentioned struggling translating their military skill sets. And I'd have to say that's probably the easiest thing to translate over. You know, many of these things on a functional level, they translate over. 
it may not be, you know, word for word on paper, may not be the exact same software, but, you know, we learned this in the military too. If you operated a learning management system like uh, Fleet Temps, we're Navy guys. So Fleet Temps, there's, uh, what was the one we used? Prims, we use Prims for fitness. A system, it's just a different name for the system. So to think, hey, it's beyond me to operate and become a systems engineer, we've done that before. So I think we have to be confident that it's not something that's so far-fetched. I think there's many folks that are trans transitioning from the military into the tech space without even having any previous experience in the military. That's awesome that you brought that up. I love the fact that you are jumping in there and debunking the myth that you can't just pivot right i would say the biggest thing that i'm seeing with the service members that are coming out is they think that they're limited because they were a cook but you just utilize like the fact that we have all of these collateral duties where we're going out and we're doing a bunch of different jobs and doing a bunch of different things that could help us pivot and show that we have proficiency in those areas so that's awesome that you did that as a military member right people always talk to you about how you know your military service is always going to be a, a benefit to you and to an employer so why do you think that it's a good thing that military personnel jump into the tech space particularly as you know with security clearances and stuff like that like how can we leverage those things in in this space when it comes to security clearances, I mean, I think that's that is probably the most obvious is that there are certain things that we're privy to having security clearance or a top secret security clearance to where there's already a certain level of trust factor that's there to align yourself to the government sector and work on government projects. Not everybody wants to do this, but if you if you do have a clearance, I mean, it, it does make a difference whether or not you're a help desk technician with a secret clearance or a help desk technician that's working on some sort of project that requires a top secret clearance. That person may be able to possibly be paid a little bit more just based on the type of project. So, I mean, everything is is going to be dependent on the project. It's going to be dependent on the the, the role there's a lot of tailoring. I think that's something that people need to understand. It's just not one size fits all. You know, you have your own individual roadmap and I help to align folks that if you've got a clearance and you want to work in government sector, you're going to want to have your clearance intact. You're going to want to have the certifications that you need um, that are minimum or mandatory for the, the projects that people are staffing for or that are looking to hire for. And then uh, number three, you're going to be, need to be able to learn how to actually functionally do the work. So you may learn that on the job, or you may that learn that in a degree program, or you may learn that in a boot camp, or maybe all three. There's a lot, a lot of different ways that you can gain that experience. Thinking outside the box, I mean, who's opposed to interning or a, a company and, and being able to, or maybe asking for extra portfolio work to put on your resume? It's not impossible. I know that, that the biggest struggle for a lot of folks is to gain the experience for them to compete and be able to apply for specific jobs because they don't have the quote unquote experience. But um, there's there's different ways that you can you can get that. There's internships, there's portfolio work that you can do. There's there's a lot of different ways. And I think that you, we have to really just think outside of the box and, and do what we can to, to supplement that. OK, cool. So, Joshua, just out of curiosity. Say I don't really want to go into government service. I've done enough government. 
I want to go and work in my dream jobs at Microsoft Game Studios, and I want to go work in the system engineering portion of Microsoft Game Studios. What would you recommend translating from the military to more of a civilian space where you know my skills are important, my network engineering, my understanding of the cloud, my understanding of systems is important, and apply it to more of the civilian rather than government contract? This is where I get to use a favorite analogy of mine. You actually have to sharpen your tool and you have to hone yourself more specific to a skill set in the civilian sector than you would in the government sector. We have the fortunate opportunity if I'm a, let's just say uh, I'm somebody with a secret clearance or top secret clearance and I can play around with different things as a help desk technician or as a junior something on a government project, I can play around, I can learn maybe a little bit more of what I want to do and when I decide which area of IT that I want to be in. Now, in the civilian sector, you're not leveraging a clearance. You may not be leveraging certifications. And if you're a software developer, you're either good or you're bad or you can do the job or you can't do the job. It's a different skill set. So as opposed to, I think the analogy is that if you work in the government sector, you get to get in the game and you get to see if I'm a center, a point guard, you get to see if I'm a cybersecurity focused, you can see if I'm a software developer. You get to do a little bit more and you kind of change around and, and gain some experience as a potentially a help desk technician, PC technician, junior systems administrator. You might be able to play around and do a little bit more with the opportunity that's there because you're on a government project. Now, on the civilian side, there's not that. You don't have that, okay, let me figure it out so much. They want a software developer and they want it now. You know, you're going to be as good as what you can actually put out there. And the clearance, you know, may not matter. The certifications may not be uh, a mandatory thing. But um, so and it's, it's a lot tougher potentially in the civilian sector or working for a commercial company and really being focused and putting your head down and doing I think that's with anything, you know, I think it's okay to work government side or position yourself for commercial sector or both. You can do both. But I think that, uh, like you mentioned, you know, if Microsoft wants somebody, they want somebody that has spent their time learning how to be specifically this. Um, you can go to school using various EA options or different, you know, ways to leverage your military benefits. And you can really hone in your, your skills as a website designer which is UI UX or a software developer. Now, software developer, so you can have a certification as a software developer. It doesn't mean you're actually good at developing software. Having portfolio work and projects and being able to do the hands-on, you know, it's a combination of, like you said, those three things, boot camp, academic program, which is, could be a bachelor's or master's, something like that, as well as hands-on projects. And so I think we were doing a really good job of combining all three of those things to where it's not a one-size-fits-all. I mean, they may very well go to boot camp first for software development, then roll that into a degree program with uh, Western Governors University. And then they may also be taking a job and, and getting some hands-on experience at the same time. More than one, you know, one way to, to, to put all those pieces together. I like that. I like that. As you were talking, I was thinking about how you need that comprehensive kind of look at things. We had a guest on last podcast. And he was like, yo, I had a master's degree, but then I got it turned down because I didn't have this certification. Once I got the certification, I topped out. Kids, life, and all that other stuff comes down on you. Now you got to go back to school and get a PhD or whatever. The options are there. I think that it's awesome. My next question to you specifically deals with the challenges that you see coming up in the industry. I know that you're looking at 
at all these jobs and you've got like a bazillion jobs and opening and you may not necessarily have people to fill them because they don't have the skills, right? Because skills are important. And like you said, you need to have a well-rounded knowledge and skill set to go in just because you have a certification or degree doesn't mean that you can do it. When looking at the industry, what problems do you see as far as staffing and employment now? And what do you see projected out for the next 5, 10, 15, whatever years? I think the, the biggest challenge has always been for folks to get relevant experience. I think that's that's been the biggest challenge to having relevant experience to the, the job market. But that's that's with any industry, specifically for, for IT. That's where we're trying to focus and make sure that the programs are all relevant, whether it's a standalone course, a boot camp, or a full degree program. You know, all three of those things might have include a real world project of some sort. So what doesn't become a ceiling or a roadblock that that person hits. From like a linear standpoint, from, you know, A to Z, what people need to think. And I think what the strategy is, is where am I going to hit the ceiling first? And so if somebody transitions out, they may, you know, need the certifications to just be able to get their foot in the door for an entry level position. That may be where they're hitting the ceiling first. Not they're not hitting the ceiling because they don't have a bachelor's or a master's at that point in time. You know, they're gonna hit that when they get to management level. But for the majority of folks that are transitioning into a new industry, you're not right away going to hit a ceiling because you don't have a bachelor's. I think that keep circling back to the same thing, it's relevant experience, the certifications and also certifications slash degrees, and also the actual functional hands-on experience at the same time where you know it's going to be different for each person as they transition into the a new industry so if i said hey i want to be you know transitioning into you know hr you know where am i going to hit the ceiling first you know to get to the entry-level position so in in this case we're talking about tech so it may be okay all the positions now require a minimum of a plus sec plus net plus and those types of things so I may do those things first rather than to just try and work and apply for a bunch of places without it or, you know, enroll into a degree program or just make sure that the degree program includes those things. There's no, no reason, you know, that they can't combine those two things. So I think with kind of the partnership that we have is just a lot of IT certifications are rated as college credit. So somebody can, you know, get those things done and then they can actually do the, the, the foundational certifications um, within the degree program or within a boot camp and then roll those in to a degree program. Because we still, you know, I'm a big proponent for education. At some point you will potentially hit a ceiling not having your bachelor's and your master's and, and that, you know, that is going to limit your earning potential. But at the same time, if you're going to do government work, then you're also going to hit the ceiling first with your certification. One of the things I really liked that you brought up was that portfolio idea, whether I'm a good programmer or just a programmer. You know, portfolios are things you can take with you, whether that's at GitHub or Stack Exchange. Do you actually, as an employer, would you go back and take a look at someone's Stack Exchange or GitHub, or their portfolio, and kind of bring that forward as part of the hiring process? That actually takes place in the technical assessment. So most of the time, um, I'll give kind of a high level overview of how the staffing industry works is if you don't meet 90% plus of what the job description says, then recruiters are not going to reach out to you. 
usually there's a basically the recruiter is third party to the hiring manager in some way, shape or form or the client. Right. You know, in order for you to get in front of the client, unless you're going straight directly to the company, whether it's Microsoft or, you know, a staffing agency that's working on behalf of the client, you have to get on the radar of a recruiter. And so looking at a job description um, and saying, hey, I, I don't match up to 90% of these. What are those things that I'm missing? That's where CCS Learning Academy, CCS Global Tech and WGU can potentially help out with those areas. Going going forward with that, you're asking, you know, when are we going to actually look at their technical and their, their portfolio work would actually be, number one, you have to meet most of the criteria on the job description. If that includes what's on your portfolio, then great. But they may not even look at it at that point. So first, you're going to be on the radar. You got to meet you know, 90% of the criteria that's there. And then from there, you may have a behavioral or an HR interview. So that's where, you know, my background in business and HR, I may call you and say, hey, what's going on? See if you're, you know, do you like working in a team? You know, ask you questions about leadership and all the different things that obviously are going to make sense because if you were in the military, you had to be, you know, a, uh, you know, a leader, you had to be somebody who is team oriented, um, outcome focused. You have to be all the buzzwords that are there. That, that, that's fine. Across the board, you see all the headlines on LinkedIn. Everybody does the same stuff. And, and if you were most likely in a leadership position from E4 and above, you know, obviously you, you, you met that criteria during that time, I'm assuming. But that's passing the HR side. So once you pass my litmus test, you know, position yourself to be on the radar for people who are looking for matching you to a job or you you're finding a job. Then you go to the HR interview and then you would go to a technical interview. And at the technical interview, that person, you know, some sort of subject matter expert or SME would, you know, go through your portfolio and be able to rate you against the person next to you. Let's just say we're talking about software developer position. Then I would look at, you know, five different people that I've shortlisted. And then I would go through and, and kind of ask them questions about those projects that they that they've done. And I think you know, from a, a, a interview standpoint, you usually want to go over a you know star method or car method. There's a couple of different methods of how you can explain what exactly that you did. We don't want to hear about the team. We want to hear exactly what you did to the projects. What was the cause of the problem? What was the action that you took? And then what was the result? There's a couple different, you know, different ways that you can, you know, specify that. But when we ask for somebody for gathering information for a position that we're looking for, let's say it's a software developer, we want, uh, you know, with most likely references, we want relevant projects that you can explain in detail on how you specifically worked on that project. And then you also have to meet the criteria for the job. If you don't meet all, all of those, then you're not trying hard enough or you got some ways to go, you know, with something. What I love is that the military education and technology are three very even playing fields. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're from, what you do, you know, anything. It doesn't matter. Like you, you basically, it's even playing field. If you can do the job or let's say you have a security clearance or you're from Kansas or from California, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's an even playing field. Technology is not specific to, you know, those specific things. So that's where I love working in these niches right here. That's where it taught me that it's all things created equal. If you try and you learn and you do what you need to do, then you'll be able to be successful in, in this industry and, and having that experience. OK, military, you learn to do all the stuff you did in the military and your education. You know, you have access to education through the VA or through while you're active duty or after. We, we can find all sorts of options for you there. And then now we're talking about technology. 
So technology has obviously enhanced the way that we live life and do things all the time. So those three things are are huge. And, and this is where, you know, culminating all together, all these things at the same time is very exciting. What's really exciting is the fact that you just answered my next question to you, and it was going to be, what do you passionately disagree with when it comes to tech? And it sounds like people thinking that they have to be all things when they get into this industry. Because I got to be honest with you, after 20 years in the military, like before I came in, I thought I was going to be an underwater basket weaver. No one was going to do it better than me. But that job doesn't exist anymore. It, it was hard for me to figure out to pivot. Like I'm a gunner's mate. I blew things up and did anti-terrorism force protection. And now I'm here doing education. So the pivot is real. So I'm really happy that you kind of brought that up. Is there anything else that you passionately disagree with? Those limiting beliefs, like you just said, I think, you know, you already you already covered it. It's just the mindset. I'll ask Dan and I'll ask you, like, what, what were you really, what was the, the thing you were best at before you joined the military? You know, it could be a sport or something, you know, art, you know, I, I'm finding out more actually right now. So, so what, what was it for you guys before the military? So I was actually a published photographer and had a gallery show before I joined the military. And, and you, David? I was really good at singing. And obviously that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so, but my dad, my dad said I was a good singer. So, you know, I might moonwalk into, you know, whatever, you know. So a, a lot of times if you were passionate and that was what, what your thing was and then you were able to pivot into the military and do something, you know, as a gunner's mate or as an intel guy or, you know, me as avionics or, you know, whatever it was, you were, you were able to pivot one time. That's something that we, we were able to do in the military. Some people cross rate. Some people go from one branch to the other. Some people go from enlisted to the officer. It's never beyond us as a community and as a mindset that we can't be successful pivoting into any sort of industry. You know, my mission is veteran employment and entrepreneurship and basically killing it in whatever that we do because we have access to not only fund and learn these things, but we have the actual relevant experience to be successful in doing something completely different. You know, I'll use Navy terms. You might have gone TAD to go, you know, do something completely different than what you did the year before. And, and you did fine. I think people are very, they get specifically tied into, you know, whatever their uniform is, whatever their MOS rate, whatever you want to call it, you know, depending on your branch. It doesn't matter when you transition out of the military, you are once again, most likely whatever your first name is. You're Davon, Dan, and I'm Josh. And I want to be a photographer or I want to be a cybersecurity guy or I'm OK, cool. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have access to education. You have a motivated mindset. You have, you know, all the tools that are there for you. And so really, you just have to be strategic so that you don't blow it. You don't need to be a six, seven basketball player and get a scholarship to go to school for free. If you want to work in tech. You can work in tech. You can get your bachelor's, master's and all the certs and all that stuff will help guide you. There's plenty of people that will help guide you to, you know, be successful specifically in if you want to work in tech, that's, you know, the area that we're, we're talking about. But, you know, I think that's the most complicated one to work in. So if you can be successful in tech or technology, you can be successful in any other industry, too. I have friends that are veteran photographers and veteran musicians, and they're, you know, hitting the billboard charts and they're making movies and, um, you know, doing different things. So I get excited about that. So whatever you want to do, if you're, if you're, you know, you were in the military and you're getting out, put your mind to it. If it happens to be tech, reach out. 
whatever it may be, you know, there, there's definitely people that can help navigate you to make the right decisions in the most efficient way possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, I just had to do it. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that makes me the happiest, though, is hearing about you talking about pivoting and pivoting within the military, because I learned a bunch of things when I joined the military. I wanted to become a photographer's mate when I first came in. And they said, OK, here's your thing. We'll turn you into a photographer's mate. But then I learned the difference between the word guaranteed and preferred. Preferred was sending me off to go to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, and teaching me how to speak Iranian, Persian, Farsi, Salam, Hali Shamachatori and then sending me off to communication school. So a big pivot from thinking photographer to language guy to communications guy to Iceland, about as far away from Iran as I could get in the European theater. Here's the curiosity. If you have someone that's in the military now and they want to pivot into a more technological field or they want to come to you and pivot out of, say they're an aviation's bosun mate and they want to move into IT, how would you help that person pivot within your company to get that IT job? That I would love to hear about. Most likely, we would just, you know, take a look at at their their resume, their LinkedIn, you know, what their military occupation was, and then, you know, go from there. Yeah, definitely going back to what you said, Dan. I mean, we can pivot as, you know, something that you're used to. You mentioned you know, learning Farsi and Arabic and, and doing all those things. It's like if, if you, you you ask the question, you know, what do we say to somebody who wants to pivot into those things? If you want to learn it, you'll learn it. I'm from San Diego. I'm Mexican and Filipino. There should be no reason why I know Arabic and Farsi, but Koshamadi, Asalaamu Alaikum, Marhaban. If I want to learn it, I can learn it, right? And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't take my GI Bill to, to be able to speak to you in Farsi, Hubi, Hubi Si, or uh, Hubi Janajur. It's just, you know, it's something I wanted to learn. So, I mean, I, I, I was able to fortunately, you know, use my GI Bill benefits or use my VA benefits to get my academic goals accomplished, but I never stopped learning. And I don't think, you know, all three of us and, and, and the folks that we surround ourselves with leveraging your military benefits to go to school. Um, and then when those benefits are out, then just leverage your mind and start keep learning things, whether it's, you know, I want to, you know, I might need to practice more Arabic or Farsi with you. And, and then from there, you know, I'll keep on going. So that's just the mindset that I've been in, because I think that those limiting beliefs, you know, I could have just said, hey, I'm just a basketball player from the hood. Or I could have said, hey, I'm just an avionics tech and I need to go work on airplanes for the rest of my life. If I said those things to myself, then, you know, that's what would have happened. But if you if you're wanting to do something different and you're watching this podcast right now, you can do it, whatever it is. You want to be a photographer. You want to be a singer like Davon. <laughs> whatever it may be you know <laughs> i'm about to do something but we're, I, we may I, critique you if we really care about you we may critique you. <laughs> hey hey that is true critique is good because at the end of the day correction is caring and i think that sometimes when people are in your space and they're correcting you or they're trying to guide you people get offended by it but i am going to share something with the with the listeners josh said that he's from san diego I am too. I grew up here in San Diego. Originally, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. But if you look at me, you look at Josh, we are what you are supposed to look like when you're not supposed to be here. And what do I mean by that? Both of us came up from absolutely nothing. We lived in probably one of the toughest places in San Diego, which is Southeast San Diego. And we are standing in front of you right now, or, or you're listening to our voice. 
yo, if you have drive, if you have determination, um, it doesn't matter where you are, you can pivot, you can upskill, you can go out there and achieve anything that you want to. Unless you're 5'7", like I am, you're not going to be dunking on anybody in the NBA unless you're like Muggsy Bowles. But I can get you on those sticks if we're playing a video game. We are talking about tech. But Josh, before we wrap up, I know you got a lot of stuff going on out here in this space. I know you got a whole lot of things that you're doing with veterans in the space. And so I kind of want to hear about those things. What what upcoming projects do you have? Where where can people find you? All of that stuff. Give it to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first and foremost, I, I want to make sure that, um, you know, people know where to go for help with nationwide placement assistance, staffing, recruiting, whatever it may be for the IT sector. Um, and that's going to be uh, ccsglobaltech.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or just go to www.ccsglobaltech.com. Now for the training sector, 100 people or 1,000 people apply for a job and let's say 10 got shortlisted and one got the job. You know, we didn't want to just throw that all away and say, hey, you know, those people can go figure it out on their own. So what we've done is put a lot of effort into CCS Learning Academy, which is where my team and myself can take a look at where you're at and where you're headed. And then we can make strategic you know, assessments and recommendations on you know, what certifications to pursue, what academic plan to pursue, you know, where to look for ways so you don't come out of pocket for most of your education that you may need to pivot to your new career. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're doing roadmaps too? Yeah, roadmaps. Roadmaps for maps. success? All come on, on, man. GPS. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm going to be honest. We do maps. We did maps, GPS, radar, comm, nav, SAS. Hey, Steven, man, um, you got to have that roadmap. We have that roadmap here at WGU between the academy and between the rest of it, the WGU hey. proper. Heck, and working with CCS on top of it with the academy side of it. I mean, how much more rock and roll do you need? You're the singer. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then so so yeah, so I guess I'll say three things is is a CCS Global Tech for uh you know staffing and placements for vets going into IT, whether you're junior all the way to senior. CCS Learning Academy is where you can turn for any sort of uh, training or upskilling uh, needs. We do training not only internally, we do external training for the government. So if they need to be trained on a specific software. We actually do training projects also, just a whole nother business unit. But me personally, um, as a veteran advocate, you know, I have to practice what I preach. We started a resource hub for veterans. You can go to it, it's very easy to find. It's called vettedtalentnetwork.co. Uh, so that's gonna be www.vetd, Victor Echo Tango Delta Talent, as in Talent Network. Um, so it's vettedtalentnetwork.co. And it's a one-stop shop for most of any sort of your, uh, you know, transition needs from mentorship to local events to virtual events. It's all on the website. Um, once again, that's vettdtalentnetwork.co. Um, also on Facebook and Instagram and not Twitter. Uh, I don't like Twitter, but or Snapchat. So just the main ones, LinkedIn, Facebook and on the World Wide Web. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff together. Uh, once again, you know, myself and Dave Vaughn will be working very closely, um, you know, now that we partnered with WGU uh, to help, you know, more veterans uh, transition and, and be successful in their careers. So meaningful, purposeful work is the goal um, post-military and, and, and whatever you choose to, to do, you know, specifically, we're going to be able to hopefully help with the academic plan, um, you know, and, and using leveraging your skill set 
and your benefits um, to where you're not thinking that you're, you're, you're wasting it. The biggest thing that I, you know, hurts me is to see somebody just go to school after just spin a wheel and say, I'm going to do a bachelor's degree in business or, you know, nursing or whatever it may be, just because I closed my eyes and, 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 and did that. No, I mean, you should it, for, for something that you want to do, you want to be passionate about it and, and be fired up. And, and to this day, I mean, that's who I, what, you know, what I surround myself with and who I want to be is with people that are pursuing, you know, their, their, their passions. You got a scholarship, you got, you went to the military, you got out, you get, you get to go to school for free, whether, you know, there's all kinds of things, voc rehab, VRAP, vet tech, you know, GI bill grants, all, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, whatever you need, please reach out to us. Um, that's all I'm going to say at the end of that. All right. All right. Cool. Well, you know what, Josh? Thank you for joining us for the stuff in between. And I got to be honest with you, you gave us all of the stuff in between to have resources and ensure that the transition for service members, for transitioning service members, where they can leverage all of their experience. Um, so thank you very much. And next time, try not to let the charisma smack us in the face when you come and visit us. <laughs> and I truly appreciate you coming, man. This is me tired right now. I just got done with a road trip. I love it. Do you hear that? No excuses around here. He doesn't make excuses. He makes it happen. 11 hours on a road trip. Still got here. Got a pretty haircut and that nice jacket. I might have to borrow from him. So it's all good. Dan, what you got? Oh, man, Joshua, it was good to meet you. I'm looking forward to working with you in CCS Learning Academy and CCS Tech. Honestly, I think this is a good partnership. So thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Pleasure. Yeah, man. We're going to change the world. All right, folks, one person at a time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's conversation has been interesting and helpful. To learn more about preparing for a career in IT, check out WGU's College of Information Technology at wgu.edu forward slash IT. We hope you'll tune in next time.